fuck is this guy? You're listening to the Two Tongues Podcast. And now your hosts, Kyle and Chris. Shut up. Did you you hire that guy to do our intros? Yeah, uh, hired him right off the street. That's crazy, man. That's nice of you. You know, you're like a, you're, you're a, you're an entrepreneur. You're out here helping people. You're like, you remember the, the golden voice guy? Oh, that's exactly what I was thinking about because this gentleman was uh, also a homeless man. And he says to me, Hey, could you spare some change? And I was like, Oh man, I like your voice. Can you say, welcome everyone to the two tongues podcast. And that's what you get. Nice dude. It's a good, it's a feel good story. That, that golden voice guy is gonna, gonna run for governor of Ohio. What? Yeah, man. That's what I hear. Did you hear that Caitlyn Jenner? Yeah, is I've got run? that in my notes. Do you? Okay, yeah. that's interesting. I'll, I'll save it then. We won't. Save it. I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter, but it's not like a huge. You know. No. So but yeah, golden voice guy. So maybe this guy will, this guy who reads our thing. Maybe he'll be the governor someday. All the right. governor. What's his name? Uh, Steve. 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 I should have guessed Steve. He looks like a Steve. No. <laughs> No, he looks like artificial intelligence because that voice is clearly computer-generated, Kyle. I don't know what you're talking about, Um, man. There was clearly a guy down here reading that. He's gone now. He's gone. We'll have to get him back to record the outro. (laughs) Okay. All right, guys, so welcome to the Two Tongues Podcast. Welcome back, Kyle. Um, Did you happen to hear my shout-out to you where I was giving you a hard time for missing Oh, yes, yes, I did. Okay. Well, I got to give people a quality offering. I don't just want to come and, you know, like, read a... Read a Wikipedia article, you know what I mean? That's yeah. not going to be fun for anyone. What, so. a, what about all your adoring fans? They just want to hear your voice. I guess I could. I'll just come on. When I don't have any, any prepared material, I think I'll come on and I'll just read the Bible. Mm. That sounds like a great idea. You can't get in trouble for that, right? I mean... Well, that's kind of what I... That's, that's funny you say that because it's kind of what I did for my next solo podcast. Oh, yeah? And for a second, I forgot I hadn't released it yet. So when you brought it up, I thought you were taking a jab at me. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> because, no. I, because I sat down for an hour and a half and read... Well, I didn't just read quotes from the, from the Bible, but I talked about quotes from the Bible. Gotcha. That's cool. So it's going to be interesting. Looking forward to that. Yeah. I, I wonder what you think. I also wonder because um, you just don't know how to like... Super conservative people. First of all, you don't know who's conservative and who's not True necessarily. That. And I don't know because all the stuff we talked about kind of borders on um, blasphemy. You, you you might say that somebody might say that that you talk about in this coming podcast. Yep. All right. I'm hoping your mom doesn't say that, but she's pretty open minded. She is pretty open minded. But um, if my, if my grandma were listening, that. would be a different story. Yeah. If my grandma was listening, it'd probably be a different story. Oh yeah. Too, to yep. be fair, she writes you right out of the will. <laughs> and then I and now that's not true because I would have been out of the will. Long, I might be out of the will. I guess you're probably out of the will. Maybe. <laughs> All right, guys. So today, um, like, so you know, we're feeling this stuff out, this podcast stuff, and, and obviously we've done a lot of different types of things, and there's some things that we're both falling into that we like, and things that maybe we don't like, and we're trying to figure out as far as some recurring themes what works. So we do like. I think we both agree that we like the the current events episodes. Yeah. We definitely liked the good old days episodes, but again, we're kind of out of material there. We can revisit all that stuff, obviously, but we're not going to unless we have somebody else on who is there who wants to yeah. talk about it. Um, another thing, though, is this one, and I think this might be something we could do uh, kind of on the reg, which when I proposed the idea to Kyle, I just said, hey, you got any, or he said, hey, do you got any ideas on what you want to do for the next podcast? And I said, 
no. I was like, well, how about we do this? How, how about we just pick some interesting ideas or facts and then we'll just both have a list and we'll just riff on them and that'll give us something interesting to talk about and it'll go wherever it goes and it'll be fun. Yeah. See, I, I should have asked for more clarification, although, uh, you know, I, I don't, I guess it really doesn't matter that I didn't because I didn't really know you what you meant by ideas and facts. I mean, you know, I wasn't sure like what kind of stuff you were going to be bringing to the table. That's on purpose. I'm yeah, super glad about I figured, that. I figured it was kind of, you know, intentional. Yeah, because I want to see how, how different how different we took the task. So it'll be interesting to see what you do and what I do. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think I told you before we were recording that I'm just kind of bringing to the table the handful of things that I've been thinking about this week. Yep. So. Yeah, I agree. I got some things in here that, that I've been thinking about that uh, that I'm trying to figure out still. And there's a couple of those, and those will be harder to talk about, so I'm not, I'm not going to open with those. This is like um, like the imaging, you know? Some similar, yeah. Some yeah, of, some something of that. you just haven't fleshed out completely. Yep, yep. So it's like ideas that exist as pictures in my head that that don't aren't coherent, and I'm trying to figure them out. Yeah. Um, but <clears> some <throat> of them aren't. Some of them are just shit that I find interesting. So I, I grew up like, um, like one of my favorite shows growing up was... Uh, Barney. Well, besides Barney, was um, a shout out to Selena Gomez, um, was the uh, Histories Mysteries. Do you remember that? I do remember Leonard Histories Nimoy. Mysteries. He yeah. narrated it on history. But, it, you know, so when you're growing up, it's like Sasquatch and Loch Ness Monster and Aliens and uh, the Bermuda Triangle and stuff like that. And I mean, you know, I'm just Hell like, yeah. fuck yeah. That's what I want. That's what I want to learn about. Um, so it's stuff kind of along the, that that line. Mm-hmm. All right. But not like that that at all. Not Sasquatch? We're not talking about Sasquatch? No. Although I want to, I, I can share one fact. I went to a family reunion one time. And this is on my dad's side of the family, so um, I think they do it every year, but, like, we only went, like, once or twice. And uh, we had to drive, you know, a, a little distance to get there. We're out in the sticks, and I meet one relative. Lots of people there. I didn't know any of them, right? So, like, a bunch of family, I don't, and I'm strangers to all of them. I met one guy who was about my age, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to strike up a conversation with this guy. So I, I introduce myself to the guy. His name is Blake, he tells me. Blake. He's got a big old beard. He looks like, uh, you know, he looks like a cool guy. And he completely snubbed me. Oh, he, shit. Like, like, and I, I thought for sure, like another young guy who's there looking awkward and doesn't know anybody. He's going to be bored. That I, Yeah, he, he and I could, could strike up a conversation. He was not interested in me whatsoever. But here's the thing. I found out he's a Ph.D. Um, scientist of some kind. And on the side, he is a Bigfoot researcher. He goes out and searches for Bigfoot here in Ohio. Bigfoot in Ohio. Okay. And he's a PhD scientist. Crazy. So how man. does that work? I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think that Bigfoot exists. I'm not, I'm just going to put that out there. I think that, and maybe in Ohio. Ohio's a magical state, dude. What do you mean by that? You don't, you don't appreciate this land? <laughs> I love Ohio. <laughs> I love Ohio. Um, you know, like I was just telling my old, oldest daughter the other day, I'm like, you know, Living here, we live far enough north. We don't have to worry about any dangerous snakes or spiders. True that. You know, that, that reason alone is enough for me to live Get here. Get those rattlesnakes out of here. Fuck you keep those. that down in Arizona. Yep. Um, <coughs> but, you know, we do have to worry about the winter. Imagine if yep. the, if the uh, civilization collapsed, we'd be in, in bad. I mean, for bigger reasons than that. But, you know, have that you, would be huge. Have you have you let yourself think about that oh, yes. to any significant degree? Fuck yeah. So I thought about that the other day because I live pretty close to Lake Erie. 
when I say pretty close, I mean like, you know, pretty close. Pretty fucking close. So uh, I was just thinking like if, if the shit ever hit the fan, like at least I know I could get fresh water. Like I've got it. I could go, I could get it. I could boil it. I've got all the fresh water I could ever drink. My family will not go thirsty. Probably do some fishing down there. Probably do some fishing. Yeah, man. You're good. You're good to go. You know, I mentioned this in the podcast that, that's, that I haven't released that's coming out, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this question. Um, imagine, like, let's say a situation like this post-apocalyptic type situation. Yeah, dude. And we can't go to the grocery store. Okay, so imagine you're in this situation, but like tomorrow, and nobody's prepared for it. It just happens. And you have to go down there and fish. And if you can't catch a fish, your family doesn't eat. Mm-hmm. And imagine just the kind of dynamic that that, would, that that would put on your life. How important it is that you're successful. How seriously you would take that fucking job. Well, first of all, I have food stores. So mm. uh, my family's not starving if I can't fu- get a fish. And I'll figure out how to get a fish before <laughs> we run out of my food stores, you know. Plus, you know, there's, uh, there's options, you know. Imagine if there weren't options and instead of going fishing, you had to kill a fucking woolly mammoth. Oh, man. And that's how your family was going to survive. Run one of those big bastards off a cliff. Um, Yeah, I mean, you could do that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you by yourself (coughs) trying to scare a... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. All right. All right, let's get serious. Um, I'm going to take the first interesting idea. All right, let's let's hear it. So, you know... Go ahead. Albert Einstein had a book, has a book. Well, I guess, does he still have it? He's dead. He mm. doesn't really have possession of it Let's anymore. Let's talk about that. Is it still his book? It's our book now. It is. It's the world's book. It's existence's book. Uh, but it's called Ideas and Opinions, and that's what uh, that's what this I, this episode makes me think of. I think that's how, what we should call this episode. Ideas and Opinions. Yep, I like it. Uh, I think we'll go with that. Um, all right, uh, but go ahead. That, Take we, it away. Okay, so, so I told the audience before that I have this... Uh, file of notes that I've kept for years. Yeah. This one goes back a long way. Um, but I just pulled it. I already had this in the fucking reserves. I was like, I know at some point this is an interesting story that I can, I can tell. So this is my opportunity. Let's talk about it. Let's hear it. So I um, listened to a, uh, I guess you call it a, a book on tape, but it's, it's not a book. It's a lecture. So you've heard of those like, um, uh, what do they call those? Great courses. You heard of those? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, in the old days, you go to the library, you you know, you, I used to do this, go to the library and I would get audiobooks from the library because yeah. they're expensive to buy on your own. And I would find those uh, great courses. So I'm, instead of listening to Harry Potter in the car, I'm listening to some guy talk about, you know, ancient, ancient Greek religion or something. And so this is what I did. This wasn't um, great courses. It was the teaching company. And maybe that's the same company. So I might be an idiot. But in any case, this one I was called Classical Mythology. It was taught by a professor um, from the University of Maryland named um, Elizabeth Vandiver. And it was really interesting. And here's what I pulled from that. So she's taught, this is a whole, this whole thing's about Greek religion, a classical <clears throat> Greek religion. And mm, let me start, let me start in a different place. She talks about a, another researcher. Uh, I can't remember the guy's first name, but his last name was Burkert. And he studied, Burkert. Um, and he studied um, like monkeys and chimpanzees and stuff like that. Uh, monkeys and apes. And, uh, was he a primatologist? He must have been a primatologist, gotcha. Kyle. Smart ass. Thank you. Um, this, <laughs> I was asking. He, he was talking about this weird behavior that some of these monkeys uh, have, and, and this, is what, this is what they do. Um, they're like super territorial, and, and they're like packs or clans or whatever you call monkey groups. And what the males will do is they'll go to their border wherever their territory ends. Mm-hmm. They will sit 
right oh. there at the border, looking out, looking out just to protect you know anybody coming into their territory. Mm-hmm. But they sit there like statues. Yeah. And here's the weird part: they're sitting there staring out like sentinels, keep making sure no nobody's coming in their territory, and I, for extended periods of time. And the whole time they're sitting there, they've got a, they've got a boner. So you, you so you've got this monkey with an erection sitting like a statue staring off intently in the distance yeah and sentinel monkey sentinel monkey and if you could walk around the territory if you knew where it was and you could walk around the territory of these of these monkeys you would find other monkeys at other places other doing boned the same, up monkeys boned up monkeys okay i tell you that i tell you that story because that's first of all that's that's weird man what, what, do you, what do you think about that i think that that's like um some classic mammalian territorialism you know that's like uh it's like, a, you know, we take the dogs to the dog park and there's a lot of humping going on and like, you know, the, the dick's coming out and it's like it's other guy dog, you know, it's just about domination, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree, man. I, that makes me think of like puffing up your chest mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, like if I was an animal that had, um, you know, something that I could show to intimidate, like, you know, I'm a gorilla and I show my big teeth or something like that. Yeah. I can intimidate. Beating on your chest. Yeah, beating on my chest and I can intimidate all the people, all the would-be, you know, uh, interlopers. But those monkeys, is, you know, there's like, what do we got that we can we can brandish around to uh, scare away all the other monkeys? Yeah. Our dicks, and yeah. that's what they do. And that's that's really really weird, man. Yeah, but I, I think pretty weird. it's something like that. Yeah. Right, so here's where here's where the story gets interesting. Going back to ancient Greece, you might you might be asking, Chris, you're telling me about, about monkey boners and interesting primate behavior. What the hell does that have to do with Greek religion? Because you that's where you started. Check this out. Check this out. <coughs> Who was right. the god of monkey boners? In, in I'm about Greek to I'm about material. to tell you. All right. So you, you know the god Hermes. Yes. Uh, what, what what do you remember Those about wing sandals? Wing sandals. Yep. Yeah, mess, god, messenger god. Messenger god. So if you if you know those two things, you basically got it. Yeah. So here's the way that this professor describes it. She says um, that Hermes early on was associated with trade and exchange, um, and that's why he's considered a messenger because the exchange of information. Oh, okay. okay. So, so the fact that he was involved with trade, though, has something to do with borders. You trade with people on the other, you know, <laughs> across your border in the yeah. other place. You're trading with Makes people sense. from the other place. So here we go. It says this. Um, he was also the god of boundary lines. And it says boundary lines uh, marked with pillars that are called herms. This is, this is where Hermes' name comes from. Yep. So you can imagine in Greek territory, you've got these pillars that are set up to mark the boundary of the uh, of the of the territory. They're called herms, and it says this was likely the oldest role that Hermes played in the in the culture. That that Hermes was the god of borders, and, and that you would put these pillars up to mark the borders. Listen to this. What is clear is that Hermes got his name from the herms, classically developed as a pillar with Hermes' head on top, and an erect phallus in the center facing outside of the territory. So I got I, I got to tell you, you Burkert's talking about monkeys sitting like a statue with it with its boner pointing out away from the territory, and the ancient Greeks had statues with the head on it and a boner facing outside of their territory. Yeah, man. Don't, what, don't cross the boner line, you know, like don't cross the boner line. But that but that's a huge gap from a from a monkey that's not even a great ape from a monkey to yeah. a to a man. And and the fact that you see that level of similarity, what, what do you make of that, man? Is it is it is it a coincidence? I don't know, man. I, I I mean, I. What am I trying to say? I don't believe anything. I don't know. <laughs> that that's not true. I do. I believe things to be 
more likely than other things, but I don't know anything with finality. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know. So you're telling me you're not you're not God? Is what you're telling me? Uh, well, I am kind of though. Now, aren't see, I? I would I would argue with you. We'd have a different conversation, but yeah. I digress. Do you think? Do you think that it's? I mean, because it absolutely could be completely coincidence that those two things happen to look so similar. It could be. But the fact that they serve the same function, seemingly, they serve, this, serve the same function, and they look basically identical, that is fascinating, man. I don't know if that's well, coincidence or not. Yeah, I guess where I was going with that with is like, you know, the idea is that, like I said earlier, it's a mammalian thing. We evolved from that. There's some kind of... Um, you know, that's what I guess I would attribute it to if I had to guess. Would, gotcha. You know, and I think that's probably what most, like, scientists would attribute it to, too. It's so like you, so we share that bit. Whatever that DNA is, it's still in there. Gotcha, so. gotcha. That makes, good, that makes good sense. So, you, so you're basically saying that um, because we have a common evolution with those animals, mm-hmm. that whatever, like, like, hardwiring is in the brain for that kind of behavior, it's probably just mirrored somehow sure. up up the chain to us yeah. and and so that it makes it likely that we might manifest a similar behavior that that makes perfect sense yeah and i think uh i think you might be surprised how we are still doing things like that and that reminds me of like some you know some feminist shit where it's like everything's like a, a phallic representation oh, yeah. you know yeah which gets kind of silly but i think that there might be more truth to it than than you know some yeah. people would like to admit. Yeah, I agree. So I was talking about the cave paintings recently, and one of the things about the cave paintings is they'll always talk about um, something called the, uh, pu- uh, what do they call it, the pubic V or something like that. There's a shape. Um, you can imagine if you're drawing a lower half of a body where the legs come out and you could, you know, whatever part in between the legs up to the waist, it kind of looks like the shape of a V. Yeah. So just uh, imagine the lead singer of Incubus. Just imagine the lead singer of Incubus, and you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> but anyway, so many of these scientists say that that represents um, a vagina or represents like a, the like the the sacred feminine. The, just the letter V, because it has this shape uh, <coughs> and it has that connection. So there's a lot of shit like that that I I, I think is maybe is a bit of a stretch. You know, um, Michael Malice. Yep. He calls that that like. The that you're talking about. Yep. Uh, I, I think of Brad Pitt from Fight Club mm. as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I think of Cisco. But go ahead. Uh, he calls those cum gutters, which is pretty gross. That is pretty gross. Yeah. Um, shout out to Michael Malice. Yeah, I, I'm excited for uh, that Jordan Peterson episode that he's going to be doing. Mm, did you listen to the one uh, Jordan Peterson did recently with um, Mike Lee? I did not. No. That's interesting. I mean, Mike, Mike Lee is Mike Lee, a senator. Um, oh, oh, that's right. I did see that, but no, I didn't listen oh, to yeah, it. Oh, yeah, you should listen to it. It's, uh, it's a senator, Yeah, huh? and then he did one afterwards with a with a Catholic bishop, which he's Ooh, never done before. That's pretty cool. So they were both kind of interesting. They were both talking a little bit more about religion than um, directly than I think Jordan wants to, but it, mm. it was good. Yeah, he likes to be a little more obscure about it, kind of. Yeah, I get it, man. I get it. He, yeah. Jordan, Jordan Peterson is not trying to be a prophet. He, does, he doesn't want to have a, a cult following. He doesn't want people to freaking think he's, he's uh, you know, Jesus Christ. He, he wants people to think for themselves and, yeah. to, and to dig themselves out of their, out of their hell that, they, they, you know, that they've created for themselves. He, he's not trying to be, you know, uh, a branch, you know, who was the Branch Davidian? <laughs> what was his name? Uh, David, David Koresh. Koresh. Yeah, David Koresh. Yeah. Did you watch that Waco on Netflix? I did. I can't remember if I finished it. I think oh, I did. I, I, I mean, I know that there's like some spin involved, but that is a that was a fucked up situation, man. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, I, that's like big. People talk about that a lot in like libertarian circles. Um, but that is a fucked up situation. Yeah, absolutely. It's like just killed a bunch of kids. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In the Jonestown, the Jonestown. I mean, it's all all that stuff's terrible. Yeah, it's fucked up. All right, let's hear one of your interesting ideas, Kyle. I mean, not it's not really an interesting idea. It's actually going to be kind of closely related to like, um, you know, what's the word? Uh, the current events episodes for me. That's it's fine. like hey. I've just been thinking about the uh, the Derek Chauvin trial, uh-huh. like everything that's been going on with that. Yeah, I like intentionally stayed pretty distant from all that. Really? Stuff. Yeah, I didn't really want to. I didn't really want to be involved. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really either, uh, but. You know, you kind of can't help it. And then, like, right after that happened, you have that shooting in Columbus. Mm, yep. And that's an interesting thing that I want to talk about, too. Um, so with this Derek Chauvin thing, they were... I mean, and, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know if you people know that about me or not, but I'm not <laughs> a lawyer. Um, but I don't understand how you can be charged guilty of second-degree murder and third-degree murder if you only committed one murder. Yeah, that definitely seems weird to me too. Um, and it makes me think of like getting pulled over as a kid, and uh, I was pulled over really for doing doing nothing wrong. I was pulled over for being a teenager in a in a flashy car, let's say. Um, but I, I got multiple tickets when I got pulled over, and the reason is that they want something to stick, so they put they put more than one charge on gotcha. you because if you don't, if you're not smart enough to fight back or something, you got they're, they're going to pay twice as much in fines, and even if you do show up, you're not going to be able to talk your way out of both charges or all mm-hmm. three charges. So it's a strategy. Um, so it kind of reminds me of that. It's like we're going to make an example out of this guy by charging him with you know multiple life sentences or something. It seems like a uh, you know, an overkill on purpose to make a statement. Yeah, um, I agree with that. And I, I don't have any love lost for cops. I'm sure that people who have listened to this podcast understand that. Um, I have, I think, pretty radical views on cops. A lot of people do not feel the way about, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but I, that being said, uh, if we're going to pretend that we have this justice system, this public justice system, you know, then we have to make sure that it's not corrupt because otherwise it's not worth anything. Absolutely. And I don't believe they proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that his death was not caused by other things. Uh, That's not to say that I don't think... I think Derek Chauvin is a piece of shit. I mean, I think that, you know, anybody who would kneel... I mean, again, if we're going to play under these rules where we have this police force, I understand restraining somebody... Um, But I don't understand kneeling on somebody's neck for eight minutes. That seems a bit excessive. Um, And it's made into this racial thing. It's not. uh, There's a problem with the way that police operate. Um, Like, when is the last time you needed a cop? Mm, I can't remember. I I don't know that I've ever needed a cop in my entire life. Uh, One time my house got robbed and we called the cops and they came over and they looked around and they didn't do anything. You know, Um, and I don't know what can they do. I mean, somebody, you know, it's not like a Scooby-Doo where they're like, you know, sleuthing out, uh, you know, clues and whatnot. Yeah, they're not, they're not dusting for prints. So, I, don't, I mean, you know, I don't know. That whole situation, I, I don't have, like I said, I don't have any love loss for him. But that situation scares me. It's like, we're going to throw, we're going to declare this guy guilty because of we're afraid of the mob, it seems like. That's what it seems like to me. That That is what it seems like. And that's uh, scary as fuck, man. It, it is scary. Um, 
I don't mean it's no it's no scarier than uh, you know than the government doing the same thing. But in this case, it's it's the people, and it's not it's not you know all of the people. It's a select group of uh, of people. What yeah. con- what concerns me about it is that the uh, well the the media is complicit in in uh, in ratcheting up you know all the rhetoric and the emotions surrounding it. And what happens is that the people. The people seem to want this to be about race. Yeah. They, they want all of these things to be about race, which is why you don't hear the stories of when a white cop kills a white person or when a black cop kills a black person. You don't hear those stories. Yeah. You only hear the ones that fit the narrative that that make everybody believe there's a there's a, a, a systemic problem and continue to ratchet up the outrage that's already getting to dangerous levels mm-hmm. and and in the media because it you know it gets the clicks it gets the views it gets the ad revenue they want nothing but more of it and um you know i don't know i don't know if it's if it's deeper than that or not i don't want to you know necessarily get, get off into a conspiracy theory tangent but it definitely seems to me that the media uh is encouraging the racial um, strain, yeah, and continuing to frame it that way because they're getting, they're getting views, they're getting noticed, they're you know they're making money, and uh, you know if you're liberal, um, you should be you should be the first person concerned that the big corporation media conglomerates Fucking are man. making millions of dollars on your suffering and misguided rage and they just continue to rake it in the rich people on your on your emotions and your stress you know that's the way i see it i completely i mean i completely agree with you it's seems so obvious to me that it's this ginned up racial conspiracy. I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, the whole thing is, you know, it, like I said, right after the, I don't know if it was after or right before, but right in that area with the Chauvin thing, that Columbus shooting happened. Hmm. And it's like, what? Again, I don't love cops, but what do you expect that guy to do? I mean, I like to think, you know, I have, I have my, my fantasy world, you know, and Kapistan, people like to call it, hmm. um, where, you know, there's private security forces, people carry guns, um, you know, I, and I like to think that in my world, if I was sitting there, I would have done the same thing. I mean, that girl was about to stab another girl. Right. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. So I didn't, I didn't see the video. I know that there was at least one, maybe two. Yeah. I saw a picture. A few. I saw one, one picture mm-hmm. and I didn't really... Like I say, I'm trying to just not get sucked into it, um, and it showed it showed a woman with a knife lunging at a woman that was unarmed. If I were a cop and I were in that position, uh, I have to make a decision. One of these girls has to be stu- has you know has to be removed from the situation. One of the one of the girls is going to seemingly injure or kill the other. So what what do you do in that situation? What do you do? What's the what's the only thing you can do? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I like to think that I would do the same thing that if I was there. I mean, uh. Saving somebody's life, is, I think, is what you do. I mean, if, the, you save the innocent person in that situation. You, you, uh, what's it? Not even save, but you just like nullify the threat if you have the capability. Yeah. And I've heard people say, you know, why don't these cops shoot them in the leg? And, yeah, I, and yeah. I just have to ask if you're listening to this right now, imagine you're that girl up against the car. Um, and the other girl, you're looking down at the edge of the blade of a knife coming at you. Um, you're, you're that girl in that second, uh, what would you have the cop do? 
Yeah. What what would you have the cop do? Would you have the cop shoot her in the leg where he has a where he has a, a larger chance of missing because it's a smaller target? Where even if he did hit you, you, you were probably still going to get stabbed at least once. Yeah. You know what would you have the cop do if it, you were in that situation? You would pray to God that that cop shoots her and drops her, and yep. that's what he did, man. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know what else they expected in that situation. Um, that's like one of the times where the cops are doing what we pretend that they're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Right. Most of the time, like I said, when's the last time you needed a cop? Most of the time they're out there trolling around, looking for people to fuck with, looking for people to pull over for stupid bullshit, putting people in jail for, you know, having drug, you know, like I, I think the cop, like I said, the state of policing in the United States is fucked. Uh, that being said, I don't, I don't know what they wanted from that guy. Yeah, I, I think it's an incentives, it's an incentives issue. Obvi- obviously, if um, if uh, drugs were legal, um, you know, even if even if we don't legalize everything, if we legalized the biggest culprits yep. uh, in this country, um, you know, I, I don't know, man, I don't know. Uh, did you see LeBron? What LeBron tweeted? Um, yeah, I did. I did but, see. Uh, I, I will say this about that. I feel like. A lot of the times Trump would tweet things and people would get in a rage about it and it'd be like the way that you're interpreting this is clearly not how he meant it. Yep. Like you're freaking out about something completely different. And I, I don't know, like I don't feel like LeBron's tweet was a call to violence, to be honest with you. I think he was like kind of alluding to Chauvin, you mm-hmm. know, like accountability. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of read it that way, too. Yeah, but, but like, I'll say, it, like, my mom does not. She thinks that he, like, wants the cop to get killed, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. It's sad, man. Yeah. I mean, I, my, my mind immediately goes to, um, I don't, I give zero shits about what a celebrity thinks about, yeah, yeah. about uh, you know, zero, zero. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that these people are, are, you know, popular in the public eye and think because they have a voice that they should use it. Yeah. Dude, if you don't if if you don't <laughs> about something this serious, if you don't know that inside and out, if that's not your fucking deal, don't open your mouth, man. Don't open it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think people can speak their opinions, but I just wish that people wouldn't take their opinions so seriously just because LeBron James is a great basketball player. You got a lot of people who really put stock in his like political opinions. Like if LeBron's talking to me about basketball, Sure. Exactly. And I'm sure there's a lot of things that LeBron knows a lot about, but I just don't really, I just don't really care what he thinks about politics. I don't know. I don't know why. If a, if a, if a celebrity's opinion changes the way you would vote, then you should not be voting. Yeah. You're not responsible enough to be voting. That's kind of something I have uh, coming up in, you know, my notes to talk about is uh, on one of the other topics is like the influence of celebrities and stuff like that. But um, mm. we'll get to that. Do you have another one you want to do, or do you want to throw it back to me? Oh, you can do it. You can take another one. All right, let me think. Where would be the best place? So I've got some stuff that's going to, like, it's going to probably change the uh, the tone of the conversation a little okay, bit. Well, so I'm, I'm No, I'm going to skip. I have one or two that are along these lines. So I'm going to skip ahead. So there is a song that my wife loves that I remember um, for years ago hearing for the first time um, that kind of like perked my perked my ears up when I heard it. Uh, it's a punk rock song. Um, do you have any idea where I'm going with this, or I'm just wondering if no, you? Not, okay, I'm not really. All right, so there's a uh, there's a band called No FX. Okay, 
So this is them. this is a band that I would consider maybe classical punk rock. This is this is one of the one of the founders of uh, you know the punk rock that I love. Not a not a Nicky Pop guy. Not a not a not a Ramones guy. Past that, but the type of punk rock that I love, this is one of the founding fathers. No FX. They have a song from it's probably 1990. It's called "Don't Call Me White." Yep. And I'm I'm hearing the song in my head right now as I'm saying "Don't Call Me White." So this song. Obviously, dates predates this whole conversation by, you know, decades. Mm-hmm. Um, but just goes back to that uh, counterculture, you know, anarchy burger kind of punk rock from that era. And um, and the, here's the thing: we've got uh, the the media, we've got the world, basically convinced that there is a struggling power dynamic um, of groups. And they want you to conceptualize this as the haves against the have-nots or something like that. Uh Um, And in truth, there's all sorts of different groups within both of those groups, and it's way more complicated than that. Um, (coughs) But but one of the things that Jordan Peterson says about this this topic is that you can subdivide people infinitely. You know, you can say, you know, this group is a minority because they're that they don't, you know, their population is smaller than everybody else. But then you might say, you know, um, people with diabetes, you know, maybe maybe they're a different minority, and you know, maybe within that group, it's you know, people with diabetes and and uh, you know, w- whatever, yeah, yeah, blonde hair or something. Yeah. That you can subdivide groups is in an in, in infinite number of ways until you are basically left with every individual in their own group. Yeah. Um, so that you can play around with the group dynamics as much as you want. Trying to pretend like there are two groups and we should be we should be at odds is nonsense. Yeah. Um, and so this song this song kind of makes me think of this because, well, because you and I sitting at this table are both, according to everybody who's listening, white quote unquote white no white white uh, unequivocally we're white. Yep. And and so, somehow that's supposed to mean something about us. Someone say Lily White. Lily White. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What is it supposed to mean? What is it like? I don't know, man. It's supposed to mean something like like we, we're part of a heritage that goes back to Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're part of a heritage that, you know, has been a first world heritage for, for longer than most of the rest of the world. And uh, somehow we have privilege associated with that that we have to feel guilty about or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that we're sort of all the same in some fundamental way that makes us privileged or elite or somehow better or think we're better than others. Like this is the narrative. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, they do that same thing when they say black. And this is this is what this is what gets under my skin and has for a very long time, that when I'm filling out a form like a, an application or a government form, I have to check my race on there. First of all, if you're a, if you support you know the 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 liberal agenda as it is today, you would you would be against that. You you should be against that. Nobody's talking about that. But I have to check a box that says I'm white or a box that says I'm black, and and you have to understand that that Kyle, you're. Your family, you know, you have like English and Scottish and German roots in your family. Mm-hmm. And my family is, uh, well, also also German, but <laughs> that's uh, coincidental. But, my, but you know, my, my family is, uh, you know, from, from um, the, the, the Alps and like Switzerland, that area, um, that every point in history that, that, you know, apart from, let's say, the last hundred years, you and I would never have met. 
you and I would be speaking different languages. Mm-hmm. You, you know, if we go back far enough, we have different religions. We have we have a completely different heritage. Yep. We have different cultures entirely, different ways of doing things, different ways of cooking, dressing, fighting, fucking everything. We're, we're completely different people. But I check a box that says I'm white, and that somehow makes you and me the same. Yeah. Now, I, I take umbrage to that, my friend. And if and the thing about this that's that's worse is that it's not just for pe- of your, European people. That everybody who has to check a box that says they're black should be just as upset. Because if my family is if it comes from like West Africa or something, and, I, and my family is a Maasai tribesman, and what, what we do in our culture is we, we herd, we herd uh, uh, cows, and we, and we drink their blood and their milk, and this is our culture, and we wear these red, you know, these red woolen robes and all this. This is, this is our culture and our language and our religion and our, these are our people. Yeah. And then you take somebody who's a sand bushman from South Africa, who's four feet tall, who has the most ancient, uh, you know, culture that, that, that we know about. And you say, you're going to fill out a form. What are you guys? I, we're both checking a box that says we're black, that erases everything about us that makes us unique mm-hmm. and puts us in one group. Now, I, you can probably hear some of the anger in my voice that this, this is intentional. That this, yeah. that this was done to put us in these categories that erases all of our uniqueness, allows, allows people to manipulate the groups that much easier, um, and then says things to me like, I'm not a minority, and don't get the privileges that, that other minorities should be, because I'm in a box full of four billion other people. Yeah. But if you but if you took me seriously as a person, if you if you if you were if you were a really kind liberal like you're pretending to be, and you and you understood that I'm so much different, you know that that uh, that a European person from from Sicily, and somebody from you know the Celtic Isles could not be more different, you know, and in in Africa it's it's even more dramatic because they have more they have more. Uh, time, more human evolution going on there. Mm-hmm. There's more languages and more cultures in Africa than anywhere on the face of the earth. Yep. And I have to check a box in this country that says I'm black and erases all of that. Yep. So that brings me back to don't call me white. And this, this is what I propose to Kyle. I propose that we use the liberal strategy of overwhelming the system. Okay. That we use that that that, they, like that, they, that they've been doing since the 60s, mm-hmm. that we use that against them. And this is how we do it. We start getting people rallied around this idea that, that having to check a box that says I'm white or I'm black is deeply insulting to my culture and to the mel- great melting pot of a country that this is. It's mm-hmm. deeply, deeply insulting and belittling that, that, that the government is, is forcing this category, category system on us, that we should we should we should... Uh, we should riot about it and make a fuss until they take all those things off the forms. Then we should then we should uh, have case after case after case in the court system and in the public eye about how I couldn't get a college scholarship because my minority wasn't recognized. What's your minority? I'm a Maasai. I'm a I'm a I'm a a, a, a black a black person in the United States with a Maasai origin. And even though you know, even though uh, I'm in a group full of three billion other people that you quote unquote call black, I'm distinct from them. We're, we we represent only a tiny portion of black people. I should be able to get. I should. Be 
be able to be recognized as minority status, and you do that as a as a Celtic origin, you know, uh, European, and I do that as a as a you know Sw- a Swiss origin, you know, uh, you know, my my people are a minority group from the Alps of Europe. There's a v- very few of us. Shouldn't I have those benefits? And we continue to throw the liberal shit down the liberals' throats until they can't take it anymore oh yeah because that's what they've done to the system with them with the media today i love it man i love everything you just said i love um taking the stuff that the left does and using it against them i i hate and i had this is like more stuff that i have in my notes to talk about um i hate that the left is the only one who's able to get away with this kind of shit mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah um and I just feel like uh, a lot of these people who act like they're above that kind of thing, it's like you're going to lose. You know, it's like you're going to act on it. You're going to like sit on your hands because of your principles and you're going to, you know, wind up on the cattle car. I mean, I don't. That's dramatic. No, I, I guess, get you. But, I get you. Um, yeah, I, I hate that kind of shit, man. Isn't, um, isn't it sad that you, what you're basically saying is you can't take an honorable approach to fighting back? Because they refuse to be honorable. Fuck yeah. So you have to be dishonorable, dirty, man. just like they are. Yep, 100%. And that is a losing proposition for everybody. Uh, but yeah. I, I think it's necessary. I, because this is the thing, man. If I'm sitting down, like, listen, this may c- come across as Kyle and I are a bunch of Trump Republicans sitting here grumbling about liberals. We're, we're not. We're both very libertarian-minded. We have, we have opinions on both sides of the aisle that we deeply believe. Mm-hmm. But if I'm sitting down talking to a liberal... You know, if we had if we had if we had Sam back on the podcast and we we're talking to Sam about this, I think a liberal, if you explain what I just did, you know, in the same kind of passionate way that I did, that 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 calling somebody black or white and making them check a box like that and treating them differently based on those groups uh, is so is so um, you know dishonest and 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 troubling. Uh, t- for for the goals of d- diversity, equity, and inclusion, like they're saying, a liberal would have to agree on the basis of all of that that what I just said is 100% legitimate. It's a liberal cause. We should be pushing for all minority groups. We shouldn't be erasing, you know, people's heritage. We should be, you know, recognizing them. That people should be treated fairly. And if I and if I come from a, a minority group that's not being recognized, what what a catastrophe. We should fix that. This is this is a question that could get support from both sides. You would think so, but I think, and this is like, you know, this is like vaguely getting into, you could say like alt-right, um, you know, what's the word? Um, the alt-right narrative, alt-right talking points. Um, I think that a lot of people think that the reason they do that kind of stuff, the reason they force us all into these categories of white, black, whatever, um, is too, it's very intentionally to crush your like those identities it's to make people forget them oh, um, yeah. things like that so, uh, no you know. I, I'm sorry man. no you're um, good I was just gonna bring up like the military in that in that regard sure like erasing the personality exactly. almost yeah so you can see that in like cults everybody mm-hmm. dresses the same everybody has the same haircut wears the same sneakers and then in the military that's on purpose yeah. the programming you go through in boot camp is specifically designed to do that and 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 what that means erasing your identity so that you can be i'm going to say this nicely quote unquote brainwashed into into um you know the type the, the level of uh um unquestioning like um uh 
you know how the military is, you know, following orders, unquestioning, fo- blindly following orders. Yeah. For you to get to a human being to be able to do that, you have to kind of turn them into a machine that they can turn off their emotions. Sure. They follow orders. And you do that by erasing their identity. And you're 100% right when you say, if I have to check a box that says white or black, that that erases my identity. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's spot on. And it's done for mind control purposes. I, and, you know, this is, like I said, it's like in some territories where it's controversial thought. It's like right-wing stuff that is very taboo. You're not allowed to be right-wing. Mm. Um, but I think that there's some truth to that kind of stuff, that it is that they're doing that to crush our identities, our, like, true, you know, I, I, I almost want to say tribal identities, not necessarily these big nations, but our tribal identities. They want to get rid of that. And I, I think that in some ways that um, is related to what I perceive as a, an attack on the traditional family from the government. I mm. mean... You know, like this encouraging of single parenthood, but you know, due to welfare, the welfare state and things like that. Yikes! Um, because if you depend less on the individual family unit, unit, you end up depending more on the government. Well, that's that, that's very true, and you see that happening. I mean, yeah. that's that's one hundred percent spot on. And I hadn't really considered like the scope of that extending to that degree, but now that I'm doing that, that's terrifying. That's I mean. It is kind of conspiracy theorist, but you know. Well, I mean, if if any like if any big system uh, basically becomes like a self preservation at some point becomes its most important thing, it wants to, it's just like it is for you and me, dude. Sure. We want to protect our lives. We want to keep living. Yeah. You know, um, every institution wants to keep wants to do that, including the government. Yep. And if that means they have to manipulate us to 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 survive, then that's what they're going <laughs> to do. For sure. Um, man, <laughs> it's scary. You know. I wouldn't put anything past them. I don't know who even knows, but um, all right, your what, turn, buddy. What do you got? All right, let me get get my uh, phone back on here. What do I have? Okay, so one of the things that I have, and it kind of ties into some of the stuff we've already been talking about, is like a you know what the the non aggression principle is. I do. Uh, you want to give? Could you give us a rundown? Just give us your definition of the non-aggression I mean, principle. I, I would feel more comfortable if you did. Okay. All right. Um, so I would say the non-aggression principle. It's a kind of a libertarian staple. Um, it's that you can't aggress against people. You can't. Um, you can't take something from someone. You can't attack. You can't initiate. Use force. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, but you can retaliate, you can defend yourself, uh, you just can't be the aggressor. Yep. Um, like I said, that's a big staple in libertarian philosophy. And I just wonder what you think about the non-aggression principle. Well, I mean, the first thing I think is that it leaves room for uh, the people who don't, who don't o- obey, the people who don't, who don't fall in line. And those are the people, um, those are the people in, like, in the Mad Max scenario where the government falls apart, the, those are the people with the raving bands of, uh, you know, of, of uh, 20 and 30 year old guys that are running around taking over everything because they have an opportunity to abuse uh, the system and take advantage of vulnerable people. They will always do that because it's easier. So the non-aggression principle doesn't protect you against those assholes. Everybody has to play by the rules for that to work. I agree with that. Oh, all right then. I, uh, I mean... I, like I said, the the NAP as it's uh, frequently called uh, is 
a staple in libertarian philosophy, but I'm not sure how I feel about it, man. I, I've, I've just been thinking about that a lot. Like, just, I guess you have to kind of pin down the definition of aggression because mm. I think that we're being aggressed against all the time. I mean, pretty frequently. So let's let, let's hear an example, one example of, of how we're being, you know, aggressed against, as you put it. Taxes. Okay. Anything. When I, I mean, I've paid hundreds of dollars for marijuana. I mean, you know, rela- related, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. He's not talking about purchasing it for $100, although maybe that's true, too. That's he's true talking too. He's, Lots he's, more than that. He's talking about fines, over c- the years. Civil, civil penalties. So, yeah, I mean, you know, not hurting anybody, that's aggression. I mean, you're stealing money from me. You're that's, extorting sure. me. Yeah, I agree. Um, th- then you think about all of the legitimate police violence claims that people talk about. Um, basically, I'm talking about government interaction. I think that we're being aggressed against all the time, and I think... So you're taking this a different way. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna do like a microaggression thing and turn it on its head. But you're talking about legitimate force because tax taxation and jail—that's legitimate force. Yeah. That's not pretend force. Nope. Like the way we, you know, liberals will talk about microaggressions. This is legitimate force. If I'm not satisfied with a service, I should be able to opt out of that service. And I'm not satisfied with how our taxes and uh, the uh, you know the the printing and all of that. You know. Um, I, I just think that uh, the the right part of the country kind of idolizes. They still idolize like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, the founding fathers. True. You know. Yeah. Uh, I think that those guys would be getting buck wild at this point. You know. Oh, oh my God. So I, I mean, I, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to fed post too much. Do you know what fed posting is? I haven't the slightest idea. So fed posting is this thing where you'll get people who go onto like message boards and they're like, I, I want to take down the government. You know, who wants to? And then you know, people like respond to it, and then boom, you're on a CIA list. Uh, you know what I mean? Okay. So uh, I'm trying not to fed post here too much, but I just feel like, uh, you know, what what is like the insurrection where? Where is the line, you know what I mean, where that becomes a real thing? You you mean at what point would I consider it an insurrection? No, at what point do uh, do people start getting upset about this? Like I really mm. – I, I think that uh, – I think that that's – That's a good question. I mean I, I, they're kind of starting to ease up on like, you know, restrictions a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. I feel like uh, if they don't – I feel like if things don't go back to normal, I just wonder how long it's going to be until mm. like things start to get really weird. You that's, know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good question. I have to say, man, this this COVID thing, this whole year plus of of basically isolation, it's been so hard on people. It. I don't think that the government. I don't think I um, could have foreseen how hard this like level of isolation would, would be to human beings. Yeah. And this crazy experiment that we forced on everybody has been so damaging, uh, psychologically damaging and, and, and physically damaging. I think people are going to be, uh, over the next decade, having heart attacks and strokes and all kinds of stuff that mm-hmm. wouldn't, wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for COVID. Completely um, agree with that. You know, you know, we've already seen the level of crime skyrocketing, the level of suicide skyrocketing skyrocketing yep. that if the government would have had any idea that those things would have been a consequence of this would they have still locked us down 
I'm waiting to see some kind of comprehensive um, report on how many businesses have been lost because oh, of this. You know, dude, this this type of thing, this isolation, can never happen again. Oh my god, this man. can never happen again. But that's the thing. Now that it's happened and we've taken it, it's like likely that it's going to happen again next flu season. Who fucking knows? You know. Oh, so it's true. It's true. Scary. Yeah. I mean, if this if this sort of thing happened with sufficient or recurrence, we could not survive. Our, our economy, if this happens two, two more times in the next 10 years, we, this economy will, will completely collapse. And not just our economy, the entire world economy. Yeah. I kind of feel like we're pretending today that things are fine. Yeah. And that we've probably been pretending for, for many years that things are fine. And things are way worse in terms of what we're spending and, uh, you know, the debt and, and our inner relationship with the rest of the world that's such a catastrophe. I, I mean, not, not that we're trading together, but the idea that we're so interrelated that if one of us, if, that if the great United States, if our economy should fail like it did in the 20s, that the entire world would be in a depression right along with us. It's really scary, man. Yeah. It is. It definitely is. I am not 100% sure. You said if if this happens again or two two more times, I don't know that it's going to need to happen again, man. I, I think that the damage is done. This could be done. Jesus yeah. I mean, Christ. but I mean, what do I know? I'm not like I'm not like Peter Schiff or anything, but no. um, it just seems like it's a lot of damage. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Mm. I don't know. I hate to get negative, but I think about that shit a lot, man. Like what's you know, I just wonder, like. People talk about like a return to normal, but I just don't really see it. You know, I mean, I think that uh, it's gonna sh- shit's gonna get weird. No, there's never there's never a return to normal yeah. or something like this. There will be a new normal that everybody will think is fine, but it's not fine, and it's never gonna be like it was. Yeah. Uh, you got another one, or you want me to go? Oh, you go. Uh, so I got o- only one other item that we could possibly talk about in this thread. Okay. Every, everything else is different. So, um, here's the idea that I want to talk about. Maybe I can read my note. Let's see. Um, All right. So I say the human brain is designed for pattern recognition. Okay. Um, Let's see. Let's see. How do I want to, how do I want to approach this? Um, I'll just read it. So our brain is designed for pattern recognition from an evolutionary perspective. This allows us to generalize about things that share a pattern. So we can anticipate their behavior so that we know what's dangerous, what's useful. So the idea here is if, if I need like something heavy and hard that I can crack open a nut with, let's mm-hmm. say, then anything that is heavy and hard becomes a hammer to me. Um, and so the pattern of this hammer, I can generalize about, about this rock that I started with to any other thing that's heavy and hard that I can use for the same purpose. You can see what I'm saying. Yeah. Pattern recognition is important. And, you know, you, you hear about that with kids, like, uh, like with, <coughs> with newborn babies, that like, like the, you know, the whole breastfeeding thing, that the baby is like mapping the face of the mom the whole time she's staring at the, at the mom. Mm. And that human beings have this crazy good uh, ability to recognize faces. So, so much so that we see them in clouds and tree bark and f- pieces of toast. Like we see faces everywhere. Yeah. That there's something super important that goes back to our very earliest uh, stage of development that pattern recognition is important for human beings. You know, if we know that something that's red hanging from a tree is ripe and good to eat, then I can take the apple I started with <laughs> and I can generalize that to cherries and strawberries and anything else that might be like that. You get the idea. Yeah. If I see a, um, 
if I see a, if I see a snake and the snake bites somebody and they die and I'm and I'm now associating the snake with danger, I'm afraid. Then it doesn't matter if I encounter a different kind of snake. I'm still going to know that that's dangerous and stay away from it. And I survive evolutionarily because I could recognize the pattern that this is a dangerous, that hissing, squiggling on the ground is a dangerous pattern. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do understand what All you're right. saying. So I want to bring up two things about this. Let's hear it. There's a word called, and I, guys, strap in for this because th- these two words are not going to be pronounced correctly right now for sure. Um, first one is um, um, apophenia. Maybe I did. Apophenia. And this word means seeing meaningful patterns and randomness. And randomness. So the idea is seeing meaningful patterns where there aren't any patterns. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of thing that schizophrenics do. I was, okay. Okay. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Right. Yeah. Um, the, the other one is called uh, per- pareidolia. Pareidolia. And that means um, seeing... Um, seeing patterns in other things, like seeing faces in clouds, seeing uh, you know, like sh- shapes, shapes in clouds, whatever that kind of thing. You see, you see a pattern existing. Um, you recognize it as something else. Uh, looks like this. It's that kind of a thing. It's an ability to recognize patterns. So one of them is like seeing patterns where they don't exist. One of them is basically being able, being able to overlay patterns on other things that are that are that share the same pattern. Yeah. So these are both words that we we understand. You've laid that laid there on the f- ground in the summer as a kid. You stare up at the sky. You you see the dog and this dragon in the clouds. It's a fun fucking game that we play. You understand what I'm talking about. I do. All right. So here's where I want to go with this. You would agree, I think everyone listening would agree, that pattern recognition, like I just described, is very important for human beings. It, it, it allows us to uh, benefit. It, it allows evolution, right? It, it's, it allows us to continue to exist where yep. other creatures who can't recognize patterns have, have died out. Survival of the fittest, baby. You agree with that, right? Yeah. You'd also agree that we see it at the very beginning of human development, when, when you just come out of, your, out, of, out of the womb and you're staring at your mom's face and mapping the, mapping the, the structure, that it's happening immediately. Yeah. It's natural. So pattern recognition is natural to human beings, and it's very important to our, the history of our survival. The whole point that we got to this point that we're talking on the podcast today is because human beings were able to recognize patterns. I emphasize this because... Recognizing patterns and generalizing them, like I just described, that is the origin of racism. Okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do, yeah. That if I, if I encounter people that are different from me, mm-hmm. this is going back to a tribal, a tribal perspective. Go ahead. Do you have something to say? No, no, okay. you're good. Yeah, I, I, so I encounter someone different from me, and that relationship doesn't go well. That interaction doesn't go well. Then I immediately will generalize on the people that look like that I, I expect nothing good to come from that. Yeah. So you can see, and if this, if the situation was opposite, if I have a trading relationship with somebody, we get along, you know, next thing you know, we're interbreeding, you know, we're, we're sure. marrying off our daughters and sons that, that we have a, you have a different pattern that you would, that you would apply to that, to that new creature. So this is the idea. This is the very, this is the beginning of racism. This is the beginning of tribalism. This is the entire reason that we're, that we're, you know, angry at the media for all the things that are going on today Yeah, is because we have this inbuilt pattern recognition that is so important that we wouldn't be here as human beings <laughs> if, we, if we didn't have it. It also happens to make us racist. And the reason I point that out is because I wonder what you think about this. To me, to me, those things are completely, legitimately, 100% correlated. Pattern recognition and racism. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, 
the danger in pattern recognition is that we might uh, generalize a pattern that's wrong about somebody, right? So I may say all people of X are bad or whatever, and they're not all bad, but maybe that kept me safe, that having that, having that wrong belief kept me safe, so it just continues. That yeah. Racism comes from this idea that's kept us alive for a hundred million years. Yeah. So my question is, um, what do you think of that, man? Uh, I think, I don't know. I feel, I, I almost feel weird saying that I agree with what you said. You know what I mean? But I, I think that there's some truth in that. And I was thinking that earlier when you asked me if I had anything to say, what I was thinking is that, you know, I really do believe that like the checking the box, the white and the black, that a lot of that is, uh, you know, like kind of a liberal buzzword, a social construct, you know? Um, but then you get back to a lot of the more like kind of tribal stuff. And I think that there is some kind of real like differences going on there. Um, and I think a lot of people just kind of chalk that up to different cultures. It's like, if you were in this culture, you would behave like this culture. And if they were here, they, you know, yep. Um, and I think that there's some truth to that too, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there is like a DNA component to behavior. I don't know. Um, oh, for sure there is. But yeah. I've heard people say that there's no DNA component to, uh, to like race. I don't know. Or, or gender. Yeah, of course. And I don't understand how they can, like, I've heard people that I agree with largely say this too. Uh, and I'm not a scientist, so I don't know, but I've heard that like you could give a geneticist some, like uh, the genes of a person who is whatever race and they wouldn't be able to tell you what race they are. Uh, well, so, I mean, I think that Ancestry.com would have something to say about that. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. I just don't understand how that's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I have two thoughts about that. If by race you mean what, what pigment my skin is, yeah. then I have to say there's 100% genes. Maybe not one, but maybe multiple that affect assume. what color my skin is. Yeah. I should be able to identify that. Secondly, if you're talking about eth- ethnic origin, Ancestry.com's proven that we can take DNA and figure out from your mother's side and your father's side yeah, so get approximately lost, where you came from. Get lost, bitches. You don't know nothing. Don't know nothing. Um, anyway, I, I guess I guess the reason I put the argument that way is because, well, to me, the argument seems to be solid. The, what I'm what, the way I'm describing it with racism, but I also think what it what it mean, what it's telling us is that it's that the, the part of us that is susceptible to th- this kind of racist tendency that you might say that it comes from something so important and integral to our to our survival that it's built into us evolutionarily and that we don't have a way of getting around racism without losing some part of our pattern recognition abilities and that's not happening yeah. so and it, so it kind of seems to me like racism is an inevitable consequence it's something that's always possible that we can't get rid of yeah. and yet our government is continuing to try to, uh, to convince us that we can and then spend a bunch of money trying to do it yeah you sound like uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. You know that dude? You ever heard of that it sounds guy? like you just had a bunch of noises right now. I feel like I said a bunch of noises too. That's how I feel about that guy's name. He's uh, like, um, I don't know. I want to say a BLM guy, but I, I don't know that that's true. I don't know that he's associated with that movement. But he says that white supremacy is inherent and it will always exist mm. as long as white people exist and oh god yeah yeah a, well the implication it's a weird it's, way it's a weird feel, way of putting it i feel like dennis from um it's always sunny 
you know, the implications. Oh, the implication. <laughs> oh, God. Genocide is the implication here, guys. Just that, a little bit. That's terrible. Um, very terrible. But, you know, that you could you could make that argument, but if you did, you, you couldn't avoid making about making it about every group. So you basically have to kill everyone until there's no people left, and then you'll solve the problem of racism. Yeah. Is that what you want? Guys, is that what you want? How serious are you about ending racism? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Man. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. All right, what do you got? You got something else? Um, I got other things here. Let's see. Um, okay. So I was listening to Thaddeus Russell's podcast, all right? Yep. Uh, and he had this guy on named John Ziegler. Uh, and John Ziegler is a, you know, he was like a kind of a traditional news guy on TV. And he was an anchor. Uh, then he got out of that and started doing like books and podcasts and stuff like that documentaries and he's releasing this podcast series it's like a multi-episode thing and it is um about do you remember the the penn state thing the jerry sandusky penn state thing i didn't until you brought it up then i remembered yes it's about that Ooh. and what his position is that jerry sandusky is innocent whoa and the the evidence that he puts forward is interesting. I mean, is he like criticizing the the kids' stories and stuff? Yep. Oh he's, God, he's criticizing the legitimacy of the uh, the accusations. He's calling into question the dates, the reported mm-hmm. dates of things. Um, it's uh, and also he has health records for Jerry Sandusky that he says make. A lot of the stuff he's accused of doing not not physically possible for oh, I him. See, I see. Mm. Um, it's it seems pretty interesting, man. So that obviously there's like my first gut reaction to that, just like anybody probably who doesn't know shit about shit about the story is, is just obviously to recoil from that. Sure. But uh, I would be interested to hear the evidence, um, and bec- the reason is because the question is, if it was like trumped up against him. Why? Because that man was destroyed, and it's and it, the whole world believed he should have been destroyed. And I sort of am one of them. Sure, but I'm one of those oh, ignorant yeah. people that never looked into it. Dude, me too. And that's kind of my point of this story is, um, you know, I when that happened, I thought that Jerry Sandusky was the most evil man in the world, and that Joe Paterno might as well be the most evil man in the world too. Mm. But then you take into consideration that, like, what if that's not true? Yikes! You know, um. And like I said, the 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 facts that this guy, you know, facts, whatever, I, I'm not investigating them personally, but the things that this guy is saying, uh, it's interesting. And it's, do you remember, there was a podcast uh, show called Serial? Oh, I loved it. I remember. Yeah, yeah. the Adnan Syed. Saeed, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was good. And it, it kind of reminds me of that. Huh, it's, yeah. Yeah, Serial. Uh, what was her name? Um, I'm Sarah. I'm Sarah. Koenig. It's Koenig. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's like one of those NPR type podcasts, man. They, they have some good content. Yeah, yeah, they do. I I think it was an episode of This American Life, but I can't remember. You guys have to look this up. There was, you know, there's always segments and there's like multiple stories in the segments. So you, it might be difficult to find, but I think it's This American Life. It's an NPR podcast. And an episode that was done about Dr. Seuss. So if you guys can find that, and you should listen to it. It, it, I just remember it vaguely, but I remember it was so compelling. I listened to it many times. It's been a while, but it's just—it's basically letters that were written back and forth between a crazy guy in Russia and Dr. Seuss, because oh. the crazy guy in Russia believed Dr. Seuss was a doctor. 
Oh. And he was and he was crazy and was asking for help and he was clearly clearly mentally disturbed and the le- the letters the back and forth letters are amazing really so yeah look that up I will have to look that up I missed that one uh, you know some of those the the more recent radio labs have definitely fallen through the cracks I don't listen as much yeah but mine too man they they used to kill some of that do you remember the episode they did about colors. Um, please tell me more because I have something about colors. So go ahead. Um, it was this episode where it was like one of their big episodes that had a lot of production. Um, and they used this choir and they compared the spectrum of light to, uh, you know, like people singing higher and higher mm-hmm. on a, on a, you know, like a, what's the word? I'm like a chromatic scale. Yeah. Um, and it was just good, man. They they had all these interesting facts about colors. One of them was about how uh, in the Iliad and the Odyssey and a lot of those old things, like the colors are like really off. It's like blood red seas and oh, yeah. or wine red seas or something like that. And they never really talk about the color of the sky and how um, it, the human eye didn't develop the uh, the capacity to see the color blue maybe until like later I you know things like that. Hearing that. It's really interesting. I, I'm not doing it justice. It's been a long time, but there's this really interesting and cool shit up in that episode. Dude, that is that is interesting, and yeah. it, it's actually so closely tied to one that I have that we have to do it. All right, let's hear it. So this is one of the more hippy dippy ones, uh, unfortunately. But what do you tell me? What you think about this? I watched a documentary, and the documentary was about like uh, what scientists believe happened uh, to cause like life to begin. Okay. So the documentary is like all about the stuff you expect, like the Big Bang and the the planets or the uh, the uh, solar system starts to cool off and coalesce around the star. The helium condenses, becomes a, becomes the sun, and the and the all the debris forms, you know, uh, by their own, by their own gravity forms into planets, and all this stuff happens, and and yep. eventually you get to the primordial Earth, where uh, the oceans have formed and the, the earth is cooled and um, conditions are perfect for life to begin. Con- conditions are perfect. <laughs> conditions are perfect. <laughs> conditions are perfect for life to begin, but life hasn't begun yet. And listen to this. The way this, the way this story continues, it talks about like life first starting and how uh, life developed and became more com- complex. This is the whole documentary, how life became more complex. Check this out. I'm watching, I'm sitting, laying in bed, I'm watching this. And it says, you get to the point where, like, you, you've got what they call the primordial soup. And the mm-hmm. primordial soup is the ocean and all of the chemicals and the uh, elements that are just floating around in the oceans. Methane's getting burped up out of the ocean floor. You know, the, the, there's all kinds of salts and whatever. All the stuff's there. And something happens. Nobody knows. There's this Frankenstein moment, the miracle that happens where something forms into a self-replicating, single-celled thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows how he got from nothing to that, but somehow that happened. And you can imagine, you've got this very simple form of life. You know, maybe it's something more like a, you know, more like a virus or, or more like a um, uh, prion or something. It's like, um, I don't know shit about prions, guys, but I just I just mentioned the word because it's one of those. It's like a virus. It's one of those things that we don't exactly understand. Like people can't even tell you if a virus is alive because the definition of alive doesn't exactly fit a virus. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it must have been something very simple that they started with. I say they. I don't know. I'm talking about God. It's very something simple that was the first form of life, and so this is where it gets interesting. Eventually. This, this cell develops photosensitivity so that it can mm-hmm. detect light. 
So suddenly, whatever, there's a random mutation that happens, and this cell that's been replicating for whatever, however much long uh, period of time, can suddenly recognize the difference between dark and light. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'm picturing. Something that's alive in the primordial soup. And what, what is the world? What is the world like? Well, there's no photosensitivity. So there's, there's no vision of any kind. You can't even imagine what vision would be. The world is black. There is nothing, right? You're alive in the black. Uh, somehow you find food and somehow you replicate. But how aware you would be of that? Um, it, you know, it's, it's, I can't even, I can't even put it to words, yeah. but the world is black. It's, it's a world that involves finding food somehow. And apart from that, you would be aware of nothing else. That's crazy. So this is what I imagined. Then there's a photosensitive cell that gets, that gets developed. And then the, the way they tell it in the documentary, it's like, let there be light. It's like suddenly someone flips the switch and the dark world is become, it becomes this thing that's sometimes what, bright and sometimes not bright. I imagine... I imagine like closing my eyes in the complete darkness, right? You can't see anything. Like imagine an isolation tank. Yep. And then you open the door and you can kind of see that like reddish orange through it. You know, that's like yes. what I imagine. Like that's what they're seeing. Exactly. You know? And uh, and so that's great. So you can imagine that at some point there's a there's a there's a conscious creature. There's a life form that that experiences nothing but blackness and almost no sensation. And then suddenly there's there's a difference. There's this bright and there's a dark. And uh, and then the story continues, and it goes gets more complicated. Like the the photosensitive cell becomes more of something like an eye, and then it gets more developed until they can see more things. It, was, it, it turns out like for a while it's just black and light, and then suddenly it's like gray and fuzzy, and suddenly you can you can start to see depth all of a sudden. And as the eye as the eye gets more complicated, and then it clears up, and then you can see color. So it's like all this development that happens. And I'm sitting in bed and I'm, and I'm watching this and I'm thinking to myself that the world didn't exist. And just let, let, let me keep going for a second. Then there was this photosensitive, then there was this cell that becomes the first life. And suddenly, and suddenly the, the, the world exists. And then the cell becomes able to detect light and suddenly light exists. You see, where I'm, you see where I'm going? Yeah, yeah. And then it develops the ability to see depth, and suddenly space exists. <coughs> yep. And then it develops the ability to see color, and suddenly color exists. And so I'm, I'm watching this story about the development of life, the development of the eye, and I'm imagining that, like, until somebody could see color, there was no color. It, color didn't exist. Until somebody could see light the fact that the sun is burning in the solar system and radiating heat and light, the fact that nobody could see it meant that it didn't, it was there, but it wasn't there. That there's this weird, this is something I was thinking through, that there's this weird thing here that is hard to describe where, where consciousness is playing a role in what exists. It's like, I'm not, I'm not disputing that there's a cosmos out there, but until there's something there to witness it, there, in, in, a, in a way, there's no cosmos out there. Mm-hmm. And until that thing was able to see light and dark, there was no light, even though the star was burning in the heavens. There was no light until yep. something could see it. Yep. So then I, the argument here is this, this a tree falls in the forest argument. Exactly. That was exactly what I was thinking. That's great. And, and it, but the thing is, I never thought about it like that before. And when I did for the first time, I was like, God damn, there's something about that. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. I mean, I, I that's pretty much how I see it is that... Um, 
even if like even if you can say that it does exist if there's nothing there to perceive it if there's nothing there to be aware of it i don't know is it there i don't know i mean it's hard to say it, it, well it's impossible to say because if you weren't there to say it you couldn't say it kyle true um it's it's uh it's funny man it's like um there's definitely an important role that consciousness plays in reality but it sort of seems to me that reality is not it's something that kind of exists in our psyches it's not something that i can attach to the cosmos you know like what's going on what's going on at, you know in the cosmos <laughs> what's going on behind the scenes for you and i and for in the world around us we don't have any we don't have any way of knowing about it. but you know but there is a, there is a role that consciousness plays in in that that people don't think about enough and i just wonder what you thought about that man <laughs> it just reminds me of um excuse me that uh I sent you an episode of, again, Thaddeus Russell with this guy named Donald Hoffman, mm -hmm. and he was talking about having a a model of reality built on the idea that consciousness came first and that everything else is built on consciousness. Yes. Um, Please go on. And that it just, I mean, that's just what it makes me think of. I, I mean, I, it's been a while since I listened to that one too, but that was just a super interesting podcast. Um I actually believe something like that, and I have no evidence for it um, other than, like, intuition. Yeah. Um, but I believe that when people try to find, like, the smallest fundamental particles, like, what, what are things made of, that, that that just keeps going. Like, right now, we, you know, we thought we had it, we had it licked when we found out there, there were such a thing as molecules. Sure. And then we found out there were atoms. Yeah. And then we thought, it had, we thought we had it licked when we figured out there were atoms, and then we decided, no, there are actually components to atoms. And uh, we thought we had that licked, and then we found out that there are components to those. So it's not just electrons and protons and neutrons, but now it's gluons and bosons and, you know, mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff, you know, that doesn't even make sense. That uh, that when you get to the end of that road, that the thing you're going to have is consciousness. That's what I believe. I 100% believe that. The yeah. sacred thing, the origin of it all, that is consciousness. What that is, I cannot des describe yeah. to you. I have no effing idea. But whatever, the thing that we, that we experience as consciousness, I think that is the seed of everything. Yeah. But I'm also a hippie, Kyle. You are kind of a hippie. Can you believe I turned into a hippie? God, so weird, man. Yeah, what were you before? I was always pretty buttoned up, man. You're still pretty buttoned up. You're a buttoned up hippie. I'm a but yeah. I'm a buttoned up hippie. I, actually, that's fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that my new handle. I wanted to. Yeah, that's that's a good one. If you can get that buttoned up, yeah, man. Buttoned up hippie. All right. I was gonna change mine to uppity hillbilly, but it was taken. <laughs> it was out. Somebody's yeah. got somebody yep. beat you to it. Yeah, uppity hillbilly. I thought that was a good one. Yeah, you know, what else you got, man? You got anything more? Um, I mean, it's just like stupid shit. That's like uh, more like current events type stuff. Like I said, I have uh, Caitlyn Jenner, you know, to talk about Let's that. Let's talk about that. I just, I, I have a segment called Interesting Asia. I want to get to. Okay, interesting. So, Asia. Interesting Asia. Right. And I want to try. If I had like a David Attenborough voice, I would do it in my David Attenborough voice. But go ahead. I, I mean, I you know, just with the Caitlyn Jenner thing, I just think it's hilarious that. She's running as a Republican. That's awesome. Um, it, 
Is it? Yes, because it puts the people of California in this awesome predicament where they have to show their true colors. Do you do you vote for the for the woman candidate? Not only the woman candidate, but the trans candidate and also a celebrity, you know, somebody who's been very good for California. Um, do you do you vote for that person? Somebody who's been very good for California. What do you mean? Well, I mean a, a public figure. Um, just like any other celebrity, you know, okay. a public figure who lives in California, like the Kardashians, sure. like what kind of press you couldn't ask for better press for California, you know, than a, than a wildly popular show where this guy is the, you know, uh, you know, yeah. recurring, I mean, it's kind of like, a, I see what you're saying. It's kind of like the Trump effect, I think. Yeah. Like it's kind of something that he really nailed. Yeah. Um, so, so you got a celebrity candidate yeah. who's trans, mm-hmm. who's a woman yep. and you're a liberal living there. And you're not going to vote for her? You're not going to vote for her because she's a Republican? Yeah, let's see it. Let's see it. I want to see what they happens. They won't, though. They definitely won't. They'll find, you know, um, I saw something on Twitter where somebody was calling. I think I think if I'm remembering this correctly, they were calling Caitlyn Jenner transphobic. So. Oh, my God. At, at some point, you know, even if they succeed, even if you, what you're saying is true and they succeed in, in, yeah. in wiggling out of this, of this predicament, which I would be fucking... I would love to see if they can pull that off. Even if they do, then they're going to sh- they're going to be showing their colors. I-, I just think it's a good situation. I want to see it happen. What I think is, uh, I just think there's this idea that uh, what what conservatives are going for now is what the progressives were going for ten years ago, and it's not even that anymore. It's like the, it's like right on top of it now. It's like the the um, what am I trying to say? The candidate is a trans person, you know, and the 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 right has been all about like fighting the trans stuff, you know, like that has oh yeah that has like kind of in this weird way defined the right for the last few years, you know, the, the struggle against it the seems trans so movement. Stupid, like I mean, I don't, I'm not for the compelled speech stuff, <clears throat> um, but if you want to, I mean. If you want to dress like a woman, I'm not going to be mean to you. Oh, listen, I 100% agree. Where it, where it, and and about the about the forced speech stuff, I obviously agree there too. I think that's that's uh, unconstitutional. Where I feel alignment with uh, with uh, conservatives on this issue is the kids. Is the kids? Oh yeah, for sure. When they're talk when they're talking about like like a, like a kid who's not even hit puberty yet, who they're giving. They're giving. Oh, uh, it's fucked up. Uh, oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. Every doctor who does that should be in jail forever, getting butt fucked by bald men <laughs> for the rest of their lives. That is <laughs> the worst intense. thing. That is the worst thing I can imagine. I mean, I cannot. Uh, I I have no words for that. Yeah, it's it's a messed up situation. Anybody who defends that is 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 clinically insane. Clinically insane. And just like, I I I think that parents are like encouraging it to some level like you know you get this uh, boy like boys put on dresses sometimes and 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 like like i've seen pictures of boys in dresses like little kids like they put on yeah. put him in his sister's dress what did you look and like it's in funny that? what did you look like look like in those pictures i didn't have any sisters so it wasn't <laughs> me uh, i was wearing Corey's dresses mm. <laughs> <laughs> um but no i i understand what but you like mean. it does you know it doesn't make them trans you know it means that they put on a dress and that they're a boy and uh you get these parents who I feel like, oh, you you think it's cute that you're wearing the dress, and they like encu- like encourage that. You know what I mean? Can, because that's like the social right. You can know, you, can you imagine being a parent and for social brownie points among your friends and coworkers? Let's say uh, for that that being your motivation that you would force 
not, not, not even force, but that you would in, that you would encourage and allow hormone therapy to your prepubescent child just so you can get the fucking pat on the back by your uber liberal friends that you are You're super enlightened. Kid, yeah. God damn, what a monster. Well, you listen to me, guys. What a monster. Yeah, it's fucked up. Monster. But I guess it's all theoretical or no. monster. I guess what's the word? Sorry about it's that, guys. Alleged. I don't know that that's <sighs> a real situation, but I have a feeling that it is. Well, it, it riled me up. Yeah. Something awful. It's fucked up. It's a fucked up thought. But I do just, th- I just think it's funny that for the last, like I said, in the last few years, that has been an issue that has, in this weird kind of like irrelevant way, defined the conservative movement. It's like this con- this trans bathroom, trans, you know, um, and now but definitely, they're like cheering for the trans candidate. I just think that's hilarious. It is hilarious. But it definitely wouldn't wouldn't be the platform that I would have chosen for myself as a as a Republican. I would have wanted the light shining in a different direction. I, to me, that, I mean, I'm not saying I, I don't think there should be uh, people fighting back against this. I, I do, but I think it, as a strategy, sure. I, I wouldn't want people, I wouldn't want to rely on people agreeing with my anti-trans, you know, uh, whatever, rhetoric uh, to get me elected. Sure. You know, I, I would, I'd pick something else, man, if it were me. Sure. I, uh, I'm for it. In the long run, I am for it because I, I consider myself like the Joker in the Batman movies. You know what I mean? I'm for just whatever the craziest fucking thing possible we can get to happen. Let's, let's have Caitlyn Jenner be the governor of California. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's something similar to me. Uh, yeah, like I have this really strong desire to root for the underdog. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that I'm, I'm kind of attaching that to what you're saying. Yeah. Just want the just want the outlandish thing to happen sometimes. Well, they, I mean, what, the, who they've got there is that dude Gavin Newsom. So, I mean, Caitlyn Jenner could win. That guy sucks. Yeah, I mean, the governor was was Republican. So, yeah, and it's not like I mean, I have to imagine Caitlyn Jenner is a is a is a moderate. I mean, I don't. I mean, she's yeah, not, not going to be super, super conservative. Right, <laughs> right. All right, you want to do interesting Asia? Sure, let's hear interesting Asia. There's a lot, lot of interesting shit in Asia, so I'm interested to hear what's going on in interest. How many times can I say interesting and interested? <laughs> let's hear it. All right. So basically, when I was trying to think of interesting ideas and facts, I had a couple of them that I had on the list on the short list, but I noticed that they all kind of focused on Asia, and I'm like, well, I don't have to pick here. I'm just going to put this into one thing, and we'll talk about it. Hell yeah! All right. First thing that I that I think is interesting. Are you you're aware of the out of Africa theory? Yeah. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, it's like the mo- most every, every anthropologist agrees that when they look at like evidence of human and pre-human like fossils, that human beings seem to have first originated in Africa and then spread out through the rest of the world. Um, almost everyone agrees that this is this is almost certainly that the case. This is how it happened. But if you go back like 50, 60 years, that wasn't the belief. Um, it, at least it, it wasn't cut and dry. There was another theory. It's called the multi-regional uh, theory, the multi, yeah, the multi-regional theory. And basically what it said is that if you look at the evidence, you see really ancient human fossils popping up in Africa. Absolutely. The oldest ones they know have come from Africa. Absolutely. But not very far off. You see that happening in Asia, in China. Okay. And so that for a long time, they believed human beings evolved in Africa, not, not modern human beings, some kind of pre-human species, evolved in Africa, spread out through the rest of the world, and then evolved into modern humans 
simultaneously in Africa and in, and in China. So that, okay. so that people kind of first, modern humans first kind of popped up in two places at once. Um, and, and so the evidence, so I didn't know if you knew that. First of yeah, all. I've heard that before, uh, but but I but I, it wasn't something that I knew. You know, I learned it at one point and thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting. And when you when you look at the fossil evidence, um, in uh, in China, um, in Shengqin from two point one million years ago, in Naiwan one point six six million. There's a bunch of these. Uh, there was pre-human species uh, fossils found of pre-human species and, and modern human species going back to you know two point one, a little more than two million years. In Africa, they have it goes back to three point three, so they have like deeper roots in Africa. But still, before you get to modern humans, you see them both in China and in, and in uh, in Africa. But here's the thing, man. You know you know about the uh, the Neanderthals from Europe, and the um, the D- Denisovans from Siberia that they found. This is a more recent thing. They had the Hobbit people that they found in uh, the Isle of Flores, Flores in Indonesia. Yeah. And then they found these Denisovans in Siberia in a cave. They found teeth of these human uh, fossils. So, again, we're talking about deep, deep in Asia here. And they also found Denisovan uh, teeth in, I think, in Indonesia. Um, That those things are basically parallel with modern humans that lived in, in Asia at the same time, modern humans existed everywhere else in yeah. in, uh, in Africa and Europe and everywhere else. So there's this idea that there's like way more diversity of human of modern human like di- divergent species. The Flore the Flores guy, the Denisovans, modern humans, all living in Asia at the same time. In in Africa, you've only got modern humans. Gotcha. Only modern humans. So what is that? What, so there's some evidence then. That there was more diversity or a longer history of human beings living in China, or at least something that was separate, that wasn't happening in Africa. So this is the multi-regional theory. It's interesting. Yeah. So that's point number one about interesting Asia. It could be human beings evolved in Asia also and in Africa, not just Africa. And it's not settled. You know, most people don't believe the multi-regional theory anymore. But that's the evidence for it right there. It's so one thing I was thinking about is. Um that's one of those things where if you uh, if you disagree with the mainstream narrative, people might make you look like uh, an idiot, like they think you're some kind of uh, quack, yep. or maybe even like you know something that we've been talking about, like a racist. Like that's where you start arguing. We came from different, you know, like things. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. People base a lot of that kind of stuff in that. Uh, so um, can you imagine if that if so if the multi regional theory was ever proven to be true? then you might have people who actually have some kind of pride or develop some kind of new prejudice because they're part of one family, one branch of the tree versus another. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, man. I think that there's, I don't, I mean, I think there's already a lot of people who believe that, mm. that, that kind of thing. Mm. Interesting. Not going to take much convincing for a lot of those people. Well, you know what's a funny fact that we can pile onto that uh, is that the most racist motherfuckers in history, the, the Nazis... That they were looking for the origins of the master race of the Aryan people in Tibet. Mm-hmm. So even the most racist people that have ever lived in modern history, they were looking for their origins in Asia. That's interesting, man. That is interesting. And those people are not, you wouldn't call them white people. You wouldn't call them Aryan people. That's what they were looking. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, I think that a lot of these kind of alt-right type, you know, neo-Nazi types would say that... Um, that they were white, that they like those were white people who had conquered those lands and stuff like that. And they just That's became like Asian. 
They um, move. that the the Asian was like a lo- the those people were like a lower caste. You know what I mean? Oh, they okay. Uh, yeah. I see. I see that there's like this core of, you know. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah that yeah, spread yeah. out and conquered, and they had to interbreed with the locals. You're saying so? Sure. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. All right. So interesting Asia fact number two. I've no, I've told you about this before, but uh, do you know about the Anyu? No. Oh. Well, at least I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't. All right, so this is interesting. This is the way I learned the story. Um, did you know that the native people of Japan aren't Asian? Oh, really? Ba, ba, ba. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh... This is a tribe a tribe of people that still live like tri- tribal existence, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, are called the Anyu, and I think th- there's another word for them, Ezo, E-Z-O, but I, I always heard Anyu. They live in the north. They live in like Hokkaido. In, heard, in the I north. have heard about this. Here's what makes them interesting. I was told that they weren't Asian. If you look at them, if you type in on you and, the, and you look at them, you'll notice that they have distinctive characteristics, basically three. They have, they're a much, much hairier race of people. So you'll, you'll notice with, with most Asians and Native Americans, um, there's not a lot of like body hair, uh, facial hair comes late and it's not, you know, not prevalent, uh, compared to like Europeans or Africans or something. Um, they're more like that. They they're a hairier bunch, the Anyu. Mm-hmm. Their skin is a lighter color. Um, you, I, w- I wouldn't, you wouldn't, ne- you wouldn't exactly call it white and you can definitely tell that they've interbred with the, the Jap- the, the Asian, the Japanese people that were, that, that came in from like Korea and China. So there's some of that going on. Um, and, uh, their culture is completely different from the Japanese. And, um, so you've got basically a people that look a little bit more European, they're hairier. Um, they have a different culture and language. They're not related to the Japanese at all. Did you know that? I've heard all of that, yeah. Do you know they live on reservations like we have Native American tribes living on? They currently do? Currently do. I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. They're like they're like fighting uh, in Japan, like fighting for recognition of their status and they're like they're like a minority group that that is um, that is preju- I mean there's prejudice there against them. They're like a minority group that that's not given full status in Japan. Yeah. Interesting, cool. right? That is pretty cool. Um, I think I can't help but wonder, have you been reading, like, uh, have you been doing a deep dive on the modern white supremacist movement or something? Man, because you were, you were listing all of these things that are like, I've, that's why I've heard, I mean, because I have, I've like, I'm interested to know what these people who think, the, I want to know what the white supremacists think, what their argument is, and I've looked into it, and that's, they have all these arguments, that those are actually like, those are this same core of like white people who came from the um from the like the Caucasus mountain areas then mm-hmm. they like branched up around to Europe and over into Asia and down into India yeah um so yeah i just think it's funny well so i don't give two shits about white supremacists and have never looked into it so this is all pretty coincidental um although i'm not sure what i'm not sure what indigenous people in Japan maybe being european of origin uh, has to do with the making a white a white supremacist argument just happened to be living there which is weird I, mean, I don't know anyway I don't know what the what the point is there um, I don't know where I was going with this whole vein anymore but but no no I, I haven't looked into the white supremacist yeah, yeah. stuff well no I, I had a feeling you hadn't I just think it's interesting that a lot of this stuff you're bringing up is like like I said, it's uh, the stuff that gets mentioned in those. It, it, it kind of it kind of makes me feel a little bit weird that because it's true and what you just described um, about the white supremacists believing that the kind of the 
Aryan race came out of the Caucasus and spread out all over Europe and Asia. Um, I mean, that is actually sort of a true story, and I've yeah. to- and I've told it on the podcast before. But I I explained about the Proto-Indo-Europeans yes, coming from the southern steppes in Russia, spreading out all over all over Europe and Asia, um, and those groups were called Arya in in um, in the Middle East, and yep. that's where you get the word Aryan from. So there's some truth to that. But. And there's a, a lot of uh, they're associated with a lot of cultures that are like kind of like I don't like roving like they did. They were expansive. They like explored. They got out there. They really kind of took over that continent. Yeah. The the proto Indo the Indo European people kind of spread out and they yeah. became a bunch of other different cultures. Right. But you know what's interesting about that idea? is that they came from southern Russia. That's a place called the Steppe. Yeah. And the Steppe, for those people who don't know, it's like Montana. It's it's big sky flat. country. It's flat, rolling hills, horseback riders. And who else came from that, the Steppe, who took over the, who to spread out all over the world? Genghis Khan. You got it, man. And I that, get, you know, I wouldn't call Genghis Khan a white man, but yes. I get made fun of for calling him Genghis Khan. Um, that's Dan Carlin, right? Did that to you? Yeah, Genghis. yeah. And I just like saying it the way that I guess that they, they would say it. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, Genghis Khan, Genghis Khan, whatever. But All right. Yeah. All right. So number three for interesting Asia, and the final one. Do you know about the Tarim mummies? No, I don't know about the Tarim mummies. All right. T A R I M. I don't think I do again. If, if anybody wants to look at the pictures, they found these mummies in the. Uh, Spell it again. T A R I M. All right. Let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look at the pictures. Look you at go the ahead. Pictures. So here's basically the background here. They they found these mummies. I think it's in the Gobi Desert, and this is in China, obviously, but very arid place. So the mummies, of course, preserved really well in the desert, just like they do in the desert of Egypt. Um, the thing that's interesting about these mummies is that they're very, very old. They they dated back to like 1800 BC, and when you look at them, what you find is that many of them have red hair. Um, <laughs> many of them are wearing clothes that are very traditional European in, in style. And the question is, what in the Sam hell are these clearly European people doing dead in the middle of a desert in China, going back to a time when there were no people traveling from Europe to China? Yeah. Uh, you saw the pictures? Yeah. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I, I do know about this, and it's from the same thing. Dude. No way. It's the same thing. Oh, Jesus. Isn't that fucking crazy? That is so weird. But, I mean, here's the thing. I understand why these interesting stories are going to be adopted by, you know, people trying to build an ethos for their identity. You know what right. I mean? Um, That being said, all of those stories are fantastically interesting like take away that you know the the context of whatever kind of white supremacist shit you want to attach to it um that that's just like what the fuck is that all about you know it's interesting that's a mystery dude yeah um and you know you know i I mean don't get me wrong if i if i had an agenda if i had a an agenda that was racial like that would I want to maybe like latch on to those things that are like a glorious parts of the history that you might attach to? And, and might you consider one of those things being successfully spreading out in conquering, you know, quote unquote, conquering most of the world? Yeah, I get it. But in truth, there, you know, there's no evidence that the Indo-Europeans or the Proto-Indo-Europeans had any particular pride in the color of their fucking skin. Um, that being said, uh, when they did DNA analysis on the mummies, mm-hmm. they found out that the origin of them 
was Europe, but they also had uh, Mesopotamian, so like Iran, Iraq, that that's, that sort of thing, and uh, Indus Valley, so that's Indian mm-hmm. um, heritage. So these people were like a hodgepodge, which is just even more interesting. What what does that mean about these about these people? Where did they come from? Yeah, interesting China or Asia. Excuse me, interesting Asia. Yeah, man, that's pretty cool. All that, uh, I, I mean, the fact that I should send you some videos, man. Oh God, some, please like, don't! It, I don't want to be on a list. They're all they're on YouTube. It's nothing. It's nothing crazy, but it's just stuff that breaks down that kind of stuff. And I just think it's funny that it's all from it's all from that. That's weird. Yeah. Um, it's weird because I picked those. Those were all individual things, like I said, that I had on the list, and I just grouped them together to talk about, and yeah. that's weird, man. But because I had some of the other stuff about racism in there, I just wanted to talk about that stuff, and yeah. you know, just happened to be in that same vein, and that's just a weird coincidence. Um, what, yep. el- what else you got? I really don't have much else as far as the... Uh, let me see, just make sure. Oh, uh, one thing that I did have on, it's just a stupid thing to talk about, is uh, I've been watching this show on HBO called The Outsider. Okay. Uh, do you have HBO? Do I do. Have- I do know. I have Max because of my somehow because of my cell phone cable service. bundling yeah, or whatever. Um, you should watch it, man. It's uh, it talks about some stuff that you I think would think is interesting. Jason Bateman's in it. He, he directed the first two episodes. I'm five episodes in, and I'll tell you, it started out really good, and it's maybe not maintaining. Yeah. But I, I do think that you would be interested in it. That's all I'll say. I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much. Okay. But. Well, the reason I was stoked about getting access to HBO again was, uh, do you remember the movie The Golden Compass? Yes. So Daniel big, Craig. Daniel Craig. Polar yep. Bear. Polar Bear. Yeah. So they, that that was a big budget movie that failed, and it was meant to be a, a series based on books, I think. I never read the books. Yeah. But I love fantasy genre. I love that movie. I thought it was well done, and they never made the ones they were supposed to make. They never finished it. Um and uh, uh, just the same thing with uh, John Tucker or John Tucker, John Carter of Mars. There's supposed to be more of those, you know, but mm-hmm. it was it was it was a bust for yeah. Disney. Yeah. Um, where was it going with this? I don't remember. Mm. We're talking about TV shows. Oh yeah, on HBO. Yeah. So they they turned it into a TV show on HBO. Oh. oh so okay. it's it's not called uh, the Golden Compass. It's called His Dark Materials. That's right. I've seen trailers for that. So that I'm stoked about getting getting back into that. But cool. but I haven't actually started it yet. Yeah. And I've had and I've had Max for a little while. All I've done is watched old episodes of Eastbound and Down. That's a good. I mean, you know, can't get much better than Kenny Kenny fucking Powers. All right, let's do one more, Kyle, and then wrap it up. All right, uh, what do you got? I'm going to give you the most complicated, convoluted one, and All I'm right. just going to give us like five minutes to talk about it. So this is going to be even even harder. Speed this round. The lightning round. Yeah. All right, so I, this is an idea that I'm kicking around, and I, had, I don't have it fully fleshed out yet, but when I do, I'll probably do a solo podcast on it. All right, so remember how earlier we were talking about the primordial soup and the life forming? Mm-hmm. One of the stories that, that the scientists tell, and there's, there's no evidence for this, so it's just one of the stories that they tell, is that when they try to explain how life came, they don't, they, they don't, they don't have an answer. And the other thing they don't have an answer for is how did a single-cell organism ever figure out how to become a multiple-celled organism? Because when a cell divides, it turns into two things. Yeah. So how, when did it ever figure out how to become a bigger thing? Like when yeah. did that happen? Nobody knows. But here's one of the stories they tell about it. There's a type of bacteria called a cyanobacteria. Do you know what this is? Um, not off the top of my head. Okay, cyanobacteria is a photosynthesizing 
um, single-celled organism. It's okay. the first earliest creature that they still exist, obviously. The first creature that was ever able to, turn, to take sunlight and make it into food. Okay. It was the first thing that could do photosynthesis, cyanobacteria. Um, they, this is the story they tell. One day, there was this single-celled organism that floated up into a cyanobacteria and somehow managed to get the cyanobacteria into its cell. Uh, it ate it somehow, or whatever, merged with it somehow, <coughs> and it didn't kill the cyanobacteria. The cyanobacteria continued to photosynthesize inside of that cell. Yeah. The cell benefited from getting the energy that the photosynthesizing bacteria inside of it was creating, and the bacteria got protected by this bigger thing. And so it was a mutually beneficial relationship, and you have your first multicellular organism. Sure. This is the story. That's the story. And I was thinking about this, and this is what I was thinking about. Imagine you're a conscious creature. Yeah. Like this cell. Little and, one and single you, cellular organism. Single cell. And you suck up this other guy, this newcomer. You suck him up into yourself, and you've got this other conscious creature now living inside of you. What happens to, your, to the consciousness of this creature? That's my question. Like, what happens to the consciousness of this new double-celled creature? It used to be two separate conscious things. Now you're one. What happens to the consciousness of this thing? What do you think? So I think of... Okay, if I eat if I eat something that's alive, yep. Okay. It starts out as something separate from me mm -hmm. and I put it in me. Mm -hmm. I put it in my mouth and I swallow it. It's yep. in my stomach and it may it maybe stays alive for a little while, you know. Well, that's how eating works. Yep, but I don't know if it's alive. You mean this oh, you mean the cells that some of the cells might be alive assuming No, no, I'm saying I take like let's say I take an ant. I don't know that's disgusting, but okay. it's just what I thought okay, of. Okay, got you. I got you. You put it in, yeah. you swallow it, and it might be alive for a little okay. bit until yep. it finally dies. Yep. And I think that until it dies, maybe you could say that it is separate from you, but then you you take it into you and you kind of like process it and you do make it a part of you and yep. Well, I agree with all that, but it doesn't really doesn't really tell us what happens to the consciousness of the ant. But the thing about the cyanobacteria... But what is the difference between consciousness and, like, isn't everything just consciousness? Yes. Um, yeah, there, there's, like, a whole different discussion here that I don't want to get into because it's a rabbit hole, but it's, call, <laughs> it's called... Um, oh, it's a damn... It's a, it's a theory that they... The, the cognitive scientists that work on consciousness have this theory that says um, that that consciousness organizes on the highest level of organization that it that it can so if you have a system like an ai system or something uh and it's made of smaller smaller conscious let's say uh, components that that this total system will be conscious at the level of the system and if you take them apart they'll be conscious at the level of the pieces when you put them together it's not multiple consciousnesses it becomes a unified consciousness of the system I don't want to. I don't want to go too far on this tangent. I'm sorry, but, but the the difference between eating an ant and the cyanobacteria is that the cyanobacteria isn't dead; it just continues to live that's, inside of this. That's a good point. Inside of the cell. Well, I, I don't. Again, let, let me go a little further, and then we can and then we can talk about this. Uh, one thing I learned listening listening to Jordan Peterson was about uh, a, a surgery that people people used to get for mental health, where they would cut the membrane that separates your right hemisphere from your left left oh, hemisphere God. they would just separate that it's called the corpus callosum or something i don't know they cut that thing and what they noticed is that people who had that happen to them had two separate consciousnesses oh. they had like a right brain consciousness and a left brain consciousness that w that couldn't communicate anymore they were they were totally separate how they knew that how they tested that i don't know but they said that these people had two 
completely distinct, unique consciousnesses in one body. It's weird. But then there's also things like, um, like uh, multiple personality disorder, you know, like people like that that are schizophrenic and they have different personalities that aren't aware of the others that are existing in one person's head. So yeah. I'm, these are the things I'm thinking about when I'm trying to understand what happens to the consciousness of this first multicellular organism when it's got two indivi- you know, individual things living together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, and I wondered about this. You know how, like, in psychology, um, Freud talks about the id and the ego and the superego? Yeah. And Jordan Peterson, he talks about um, uh, motivational forces that are, in, he calls them transpersonal forces, but they're motivational forces, like the thing that gets me, uh, the thing that the thing that um, is concerned about self, self-preservation that's in me, the thing that just wants to eat and ro- procreate and sleep, like that part of me is a different force that's competing with a higher level part of me that wants to like do something intellectual. There, there are competing motivational forces in your psyche that make up the total personality. Okay. There's this idea that there's multiple parts of our consciousness, the id, the ego, the superego, that kind of thing. And this is, where I, this is where I was going with this. What if when we evolve, you know, from a single cell organism all the way up to the human beings that we are today, what if those stages of consciousness get like we used to be lizards before we were, we were mammals and we have a, we have a uh, what do they call it, like the lizard brain, that's what, you know, they talk about that. Yep. So we have this thing called the, uh, what do they call it? Um, basal ganglia. That's the, that's the lizard brain. And it has to do with hunger, thirst, sex drive, territoriality, mm-hmm. habits, and procedural memory. Yep. That, that we also have the limbic brain, which is the mammalian brain. And that, and that has things like abstract thinking, creativity, personality, and uh, frontal lobe, which is uh, abstract thinking, excuse me, the mammalian brain is emotions, and then the frontal lobe is abstract thinking. Gotcha. That what if, what if those all those different pieces of our brain that that uh, constitute our consciousness? Let's say, what if those used to be individual, freestanding things like my mammalian or my uh, lizard brain? Let's say the system of my of my consciousness that's that evolutionary speaking used to be a lizard. That that's somehow like. Like its own consciousness inside inside of my greater consciousness, yeah. And that's why I that's why you struggle in your own head sometimes when you say like when you're a when you're a uh, when you're a teenager, let's say, and your sex drive is up to the roof, and you're tempted, let's say, sexually, and you're struggling with that part of your brain that's saying, "Come on, man, do it." That's your that's your that's your lizard brain telling you to procreate, and some and the reason that you're having this conflict with it is because you're more than one consciousness somehow. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the idea. What do you think of that? I think that's interesting. I think, um, I don't know, for some reason it reminds me of how ancient people ascribed different, you know, personality traits to gods and things like that. Yep. And it's just like all of this stuff is going on inside of you and you've got all these different characters in some ways, you know what I mean? Um, uh, yep. Yeah, I, I, well, that, well, that's exactly you know when I said Jordan Peterson calls them transpersonal forces. Yeah, he he uses that language to, in the same way that ancient people talk about gods. Gotcha. So you're you're talking like apples and apples exactly way, way, the way he describes it. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's very interesting. Well, that's it, man. I mean, I don't have any others that we can really talk about after doing that one anyway. We're yeah, that's as much that's as much strain as uh, our audience. I, I I'm willing to put on them right now. All right. 
That's that's merciful of you. <laughs> I could go for another hour. We'll just uh, we'll just shoot the shit here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was telling you before the the podcast that I uh, had a phone call with a friend today uh, that I haven't talked to in like ages, like decades, um, or, or a decade anyway. Uh, it was like a random connection, and he was telling me some stuff about serving in the military that was like blowing my mind. And I wanted to get into him more, and so I'm hoping uh, maybe he will feel comfortable talking about it. Maybe we can get him on the on the show, but we'll see. Dude, I really want to get Matt on here to talk about movies, too. That's like an episode that I <clears throat> would be excited to do, talking about just how movies have had an effect on me. <coughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and, uh, artistically, you know. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just think that would be fun. I think it would and be. And I want to do it with Matt. At a, so. at a bare minimum, he should do that with us, at a bare minimum. Yeah. We could do way more than that with Matt. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's no cap on it, you yeah. know. But talking about movies would be perfect because we met at the movie theater. We all worked sure, there. That's a great point. You know? I wasn't even thinking about that. And then you, of course, we you lived together and we hung out together and we both had huge movie collections and it was a big part of our lives, man. Yeah. So it'd be interesting. I do think that would be interesting. It'd be a fun episode. I think it would date the shit out of us because all the movies would be from like the late nineties to the through like the, you know the first part of the two thousands. Pretty true. Yeah. With, with a couple of uh, with a couple of older movies sprinkled in just for street cred. Street cred for sure. What would those street cred movies be? Let's let's before we wrap up, let's just do that. Um, Mo- movies that you either owned or kind of you know if you wanted to sound like you were uh, like you were like a legit movie person that knew something about something that you would say is on your like list top list. I own very few movies. I don't I'm not a big uh DVD Blu-ray owner anymore. I just stream pretty much everything. Yep. Um but old movies that I like, I mean, I kind of still like the Rocky movies, you oh, know? Yeah, yeah. Is that old enough? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I mean, I I I have like a like a Clockwork Orange. Oh, oh, okay. You know, it, it's like in my collection and I've watched it twice and I don't ever want to watch it again. But it's like one of those movies that I was like, I, I, I got to have that one. Yeah. And when I, I, that was a thought I had when I was younger. Now I, I wish I, you know, I wish I hadn't bought so many fucking movies. A lot of, a lot of fucking movies. Way man. too many movies. Yeah. Um, I, and I mean, a lot of the stuff that uh, I really value doesn't even go back that far. I mean, I, I have an appreciation for like Clint Eastwood movies and John Wayne movies just because of my grandpa. Oh, yeah. Um, and I like the Clint Eastwood ones better than the John Wayne oh, ones. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Of course. You know. Yeah. Yeah, Clint Eastwood was way more badass. Yeah. And then there's like Keanu Reeves, who's like the modern day Clint Eastwood. I have no problem with Keanu. I love Keanu. Keanu's the shit, man. Every now and then you see one of those articles about how awesome Keanu is. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should look those up. The Matrix would be, when we have the movie, that's going to be, on, I think that's going to be on a couple people's lists. Maybe maybe all three of us. That movie was great. Oh, yeah. Like, anyways. Well, except but, for the third one. Hey, do you think we can get Steve back in here for, to do the outro? Um, I bet you, you think could. You can get out. I, I mean, I've been, you know, I, he's up there still. You see if you can bribe him with like a, like a double cheese or something. Oh, I think he heard us because here, here. All right, Steve, what do you got? Well, there you good. have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work thinking it's hard and full of uncertainties but i'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze see what i did there let's find out together in the next episode